Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are talking about setting up a successful fat loss phase. Danny and I have been through so many diets in the past, haven't we? Like, I feel like we're seasonal um, competitors slash dieters. And I guess we wanted to do this episode because building on from last week, we spoke about mini cuts being the concept of going into aggressive um, dieting phases for a short period of time with the primary goal of just weight loss. We spoke about what not to do i.e. mini cuts. Yeah, them. <laughs> so, now, <laughs> them. Um, so now we wanted to move into, I guess, our own philosophy, philosophy when it comes to nutrition uh, and dieting in general and the more sustainable approach of how to set one up successfully. Yeah, and you are right. I feel like we are seasoned dieters and competitors <laughs> yeah. because we've yeah. done that many. So a lot of what we talk about, yes, it's backed by science, but then mainly personal experience. And a lot of the science is very black and white, but it doesn't take into account lifestyle, happiness, you know, quality of life and mindset, being a female, your (laughs) menstrual cycles. So that's why we find it really important that we speak Mm. out and share our experiences and share what's worked and, and what doesn't. So that's why we're here today. Um, And we'll go be going through how to set yourself up before a diet, what to do during a diet. And then of course, the tricky part after the diet. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned a really good point. Like you can read all the textbooks in the world, all the studies about what percentage of a deficit you should be in duration, muscle loss, training, et cetera. You can know all the things, but knowing and doing are two separate tasks. Mm. And I guess this is the art of coaching. So I believe like as a coach, you should have technically gone through what your clients have gone through. So you've got that sense of empathy to be able to understand being a fat loss phase, like just telling someone numbers, which is sort of what we spoke about yesterday. It's sort of, it's not helpful. Like knowing that you've got to be in a deficit is not going to achieve the fat loss itself. We Mm. need to know how to implement that skill. So when you were referring to uh, that earlier, Danny, I was thinking, yeah, things might be optimal, but are they practical? Like when it comes to going through a fat loss phase. And that's why I, I personally believe mini cuts aren't very practical um, for long-term sustainable results, even though maybe some literature might show quick fat loss. Is it sustainable? So we're mm. really going to be talking about um, probably firstly, like how to set yourself up for not only fat loss, but then sustainable fat loss, sustainable changes. There's no point going through 12 to 20 weeks of like a a deficit to then only put it back on like a month later. That's depressing. That is depressing. And that's what happens. You see it all the time. And then that person has gone from, you know, so much hard work getting in peak shape or, or their version of peak shape. And then it all comes undone, but even worse than when they started. And it's so sad to watch because you can just feel the amount of pain um, that someone is in. And, you know, we're here to try and prevent that from happening. And the key word that you mentioned is sustainable, okay? Mm -hmm. Your method of dieting has to be sustainable with your Mm -hmm. life. So that looks different for every single person. Will this fit in with your current lifestyle? And will this allow you to have a beautiful relationship with food, a beautiful relationship with your mindset. You know, you need to get to the point where you don't feel like you're missing out on life. Mm. Yes, the final 
four weeks or so of a bodybuilding competition, a little bit different. You're not going to be going out to dinner. You're not going to be having drinks. Okay, cool. But for most of the people who aren't in that scenario, we need to feel like we can still have an amazing quality of life and not just be focused on what's going in our mouth. Yeah, for sure. Like dieting is a choice. And I feel like sometimes people need to hear this. Like a lot of people complain about being in deficit. I'm like, why do it? You're choosing this. You don't have to eat less. Like you should be grateful that you've got the knowledge of how to do it more than anything and then worrying about a physiological response of hunger that's expected. So Mm. when we look at like entering a diet phase, like if we're going to split this up into three sort of different conversations, the first part being before you embark on a fat loss journey, something like I do with myself, um, I do with clients is we make sure that we're setting up realistic expectations. Mm. Like you mentioned comp, comp prep, Danny. And I think um, that that's important to understand. Like what is the expectation of this? Are we getting stage lean or are we losing two kilos mm. or are we not even worrying about the scales, but we're just trying to recomp in general? Like what are the expectations? You need to understand that for yourself um, so that you can decipher between fact or feeling when things get hard. And then if you're working with people through nutrition as well, you both need to be on the same page when it comes mm. to that. Mm. Setting the expectations, exactly. Because to say that you want to lose weight is way too broad. Yeah. Um, so you also need a goal. So is, do you need to lose weight to get into a weight class for a sport? Um, mm. Is there a dress that you want to wear for an event? Like, why do you want to be in the deficit? Is it because, yeah. you know, everyone has their reason and it, often it's a very deep reason. Um, yeah. So it's about you, you know, actually asking yourself, well, why do I feel like I need abs? Will that actually make me happy? Um, But then from a coaching point of view, you need to give your client the time and the space to actually come up with their reasons why, because their goals might change. If they work out, oh, you know, their reason, their surface level reason is a lot different to the deeper reason. So if you can have that discussion uh, with your client or with yourself, then you'll be able to set realistic expectations on yourself and set your goals as well so it's important to have that conversation at the start yeah for sure and then when you're doing that you're like you're you're talking about well what's the expectation how long is this going to take to achieve like Mm. your coach or or you as the coach like you've got the expertise in this like if someone's doing a comp prep I'm like cool six months probably you know like minimum minimum, how long is it going to take to work towards this goal versus Mm. okay I just want to lose two kilos okay maybe we could do that in eight weeks like it's it's going to look different case by case but you really need to be able to set not smart goals you know how you've got that acronym that's something that I used to be like okay it's got to be you know achievable (laughs) time like you've got to have some of those things but then what does it feel like when you achieve that goal what's it going to look like how do you know that it's there right? Mm. Because it's easy when it's objective, when it's a number on the scale. But what if it's like, oh, I just want to feel better in my skin, which is something like a, a, I guess a goal that a lot of people come to me with is like, I just want to feel better. And that's so fine. How are we going to recognize that? Because you're going to have good days and bad days. Um, Does it need a deficit? Most of the time, no. Mm. Um, So it it also needs to look at, okay, how's your mindset? Like yeah. how, how are we? A lot of people want to diet just because you can doesn't mean you should. And it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. It's like, you know, you're not ready physically or mentally to go through a, a significant phase of restriction because dieting in itself, it's not supposed to be sustainable. And yeah. that's where people are like, oh, like we're saying a sustainable result. Um, like that's what we mean when we say like dieting in general, you can sustain it for the duration, but you're not supposed to live 
in that in deficit. A deficit. Yeah, you're not supposed to live in it. So I guess that leads into like our next point of having that time at maintenance calories um, and being there for like a, you know, double the amount of time that you intend on spending in the actual dieting phase. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I, just to jump back, sorry, I know you, you went on to sort of our next topic, but around mindset, um, sometimes people need to be referred out as well because they're the mindset that they've been in might come from a, a form of self-punishment or they think that, you know, if they lose a little bit of weight, that'll be the answer to a deeper reason. So I really want to um, raise awareness for coaches. Like, don't be scared to refer out as well. You get a lot of people coming to you wanting to lose weight, which is good, great. You know, they've got their goals, but don't be scared to refer out. And I think... People don't talk about that enough. They take everyone on um, and that's where you kind of hear the horror stories of things going wrong and all of that just because a a personal trainer is not qualified for a lot of um, nutritional advice. So just know your lane and create an awesome team of, you know, therapists and other people as well that you can work in with. I just wanted to bring that up. Oh, you've just muted yourself, but we'll we'll come back. Sorry, I'll never do that. (laughs) as a personal trainer, you can give out macros um, and generalized nutritional advice. You can't give out meal plans, right? And uh, like the industry is starting to get really smart. Like I've, I've been seeing articles of people being sued um, by oh, there giving, you go. Out, giving out meal plans, right? Because something that surprises me is like eating disorders whilst they're not, they're very common, like amongst mm. women, like disordered mm. ways of eating. Um, and it's something we've got to be so hyper aware of, of like, where's your scope of practice? Yeah. Because it does need uh, like inter- intervention and also does need um, outside help, right? There's a difference between someone having an eating disorder in the past and they've got the strategies, they've gone through the therapy, they've, they've got the resources, they know where to go if they need extra help and they're wanting to, you know, go into um, like fat loss phases or et cetera, versus someone who's still having issues, yep. right? It's mm. not appropriate for a personal no. trainer to, to manage that. It's just not. Mm. Um, you can mm. co-manage it, right? Like you could be like, are you working with someone else externally um, to work on that? Maybe I can support you with your training and yep. your accountability in other areas too. But yeah, really, mm. really good point, Danny. So important to remember. Thank you. Um, yeah. So as you said, it's important to have a time in maintenance and finding out where your baseline is. So maintenance being where you're neither losing weight or gaining weight. Um, And that's an awesome phase at the start to learn how to use your tracking apps or learn how to start to weigh your food or be more mindful with your eating, whatever skills that you need um, with your coach or with yourself in order to create an environment for dieting. So spend some time in maintenance where there are less variables. You can find that steady ground and then you'll know what to play with. Okay, do I pull back a little bit? Do I need to have a little bit more? Um, So yeah, just like any beginner at anything, we need to learn the skills that we need first. Otherwise it can be really overwhelming. Yeah, for sure. Often what I find as well, just from a coaching perspective, I often find that people develop a negative relationship with tracking when all Mm. they've ever done is tracked in a deficit. Like I would probably hate tracking too if all I did was associate it with restriction and hunger. So right. usually when I, if Mm. I have clients come in, they're like, yeah, just the tracking didn't work with me. And I I ask like, what didn't, what didn't go to plan? What didn't you like about it? It usually boils down to they've only done it during yeah. phases of dieting. And this is so traditional, right? The same yeah. coaching. People seek out coaching or they go into challenges or they do the certain things when they're driven working towards a body composition goal mm. rather than learning to live at maintenance. So, you know, I think it, there's, there's so much value 
from being able to track your calories when you're at maintenance or in a surplus, the Mm. most committed driven people do, right? The ones who achieve the best results, they do. And often I see this because when we introduce clients to maintenance calories tracking, they'll struggle to hit them. They'll be like still adopting low calorie food sources, Mm. low carb potato, pumpkin, like Mm. all the low calorie volume foods. And they'll struggle to hit their maintenance calories because it's a skill that they've learned. And you almost need to unlearn how to diet, right? You need to learn how to choose salmon over whitefish. You need to Mm. learn how to eat chicken thigh over breast. And it's just ingrained from a long period of time. So when you've got to be in the mindset and that's what we're coming yep. back to. Like you've got to know how to shift gears and how to go from dieting to maintenance to a surplus without emotional connection to it. Like you're just eating more, or eating less for a specific goal. And that can seem quite like a lot of things that we do is data driven, right? And it does have yeah. emotion tied to it, but we need to be able to remove that if we want to be successful in a sport or in life or achieving a goal in general. Yeah, yeah, really well said. And then to look at it from the other point of view, someone coming from a surplus to maintenance, you will still lose weight because that is less calories than what you've been eating. Um, So that as well as ramping up your training a little bit. If you decide, okay, now's my time. I want to focus on my training and nutrition. You don't always have to go straight into a deficit. If you go from a surplus to a maintenance, but then we increase your training or work a bit harder. You know, you've got a coach now, you, you really push, you will change. You will lose that weight. You will um, grow some beautiful muscle. And we all know that the more muscle that you have, then you end up burning more energy anyway. So just by going to maintenance, um, you still can recomp your body. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And the other thing that's really important when it comes to the mindset stuff and being prepared to diet is being honest with yourself about how accountable you are, right? We've all been through where mm. it's like, you know, I'm just not that accountable at the moment. Like I'm loosely tracking, I'm not doing certain things. And you've got to be mindful that if you're going into a fat loss phase, you have to tighten the reins up. Yeah. Like you, you have to turn the volume up and you have to hold yourself accountable. And it's also okay if you're not ready. Like there's mm. phases of life where it's like, I, I don't have time to prioritize these things, you know, mentally or physically, you know, we only have so many decisions in, in a day. Um, yeah. And when you're dieting, there's a lot of decisions to be made, right? Because you're constantly tracking, monitoring, like putting data in, etc. So it's also mm. okay if you're not ready mentally or lifestyle wise, if you've got a wedding every weekend coming up, like don't, don't. Feels put- like that at the moment, doesn't oh, it? it does. yeah. like, set yourself up for success. Like timing is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And that's right. Um, I think it's important and to take your saying of the low hanging fruit. Mm. Um, I love using your analogies. So the low hanging fruit, I feel like all of us should have that as a baseline, non-negotiable, whether you've got weddings, whether you're prioritizing work, you've got the kids look after your sleep, your stress management and pick quality food sources. You can't not do that. Yes, there are going to be periods of times where you're more stressed or you're not sleeping as much, but those three pillars should always be in the back of your mind because Mm. you don't have to be aiming for a comp prep to prioritize that. We all just need that as a fundamental human need. Sleep, Mm. stress management where you can and pick good quality foods. And we all know what's a good quality food and then what's a, however you want to word it, a treat um, a fun food, whatever. We all know the difference by now. Yeah, micro-dense. Choose micro-dense rather than like just straight calories and sugar, etc. cetera. Um, but something that you mentioned there as well in regards to stress and lifestyle, like assessing this as a whole and being like, is this a good time for me? Really important because dieting is is 
it puts a lot of stress on your body. And mm-hmm. like and myself have been through the extreme cases of this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember, but like, um, like we were talking about sleep disturbances and like lots of different things that can happen because your body's under an acute amount of stress and you get oh, yeah. used to it. You don't even know that you're living in that stress state and you can't replace bad stress with good stress and balance it out, right? Mm. Like you can't just then all of a sudden put some cardio in, add some good stress, do some other things, go for more walks. Like do, it's still digging you a deep hole, right? You yeah. can't outweigh rest and just time efficiency. So this mm. is why your environment and your lifestyle is also equally important before you actually embark um, on a fat loss phase. Yeah, yeah. And environment can also include the people in your environment. You know, are you out with mates who love having benders every weekend? Yep. And, you know, they'll, they'll, all the banter's there. Now you got to come out and have some drinks or, um, or whether it be someone who's in your immediate environment who doesn't really want to see you change. Yep. And unfortunately, mm. that's still there and they're mm. going to try and stop you and sabotage. sabotage you. And, you know, the hamper put, you sent me. <laughs> uh, no, that's exactly why I did it. No, I was giving you a nice birthday gift. I would give her chocolate. No. no, um, You want people that are out there to help you succeed. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I I think it's important to really assess the people in your environment. Mm, Like it's just, it's so important. It's a very hard conversation to have with yourself and with people because we get used to certain people in our lives. Mm. But, you know, you're here to make a change and that comes with it. You have to make yeah. a change. Um, mm. If you can't have the discussion with the person and, you know, obviously rather than just cutting someone off straight away without them knowing, you know, try and have a discussion and say, Hey, this is how I feel. This is what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And try and work on it. But mm. How long can we do that for? Yeah. Most yeah. people think that they need more discipline. They just need a more beneficial environment. So yeah. I say this a lot to um, like shift working clients, for example, you don't need, you can't change some things, right? Like mm. you can't change the cookies in the staff room that the old ducks bake up and bring in, right? Or all, all the food that comes in on night duty. You can't control those things around you. But if you've got environments that you can't control and we all have them to some degree, you have to practice more willpower. Yeah. And you have to practice that on the daily. Like you mm. have to learn to integrate that versus someone like Danny for ourselves, right? We're quite privileged with our environments, specifically work. Obviously it's in our own home. Mm. We're not going to a staff room. So we we have an environment where there's places we don't have to flex our willpower muscle as much. You bet your bottom dollar when I go home and there's freshly baked bread, and there's cookies yeah. everywhere and I'm prepping or if something else is happening. Um, I just don't go in the kitchen as much because there's always yeah. food in there. So it's about, <laughs> exactly. understanding like you're not disadvantaged if your environment isn't top notch but there's going to be like don't don't go to the supermarket when you're hungry like guys you know it's a recipe for um, disaster so it's about setting your environment up making sure you're in the right place um the right timing not that there's a perfect time but like i said it's got back-to-back weddings engagement parties like festive season and you don't want to be stressing about being in a deficit and you want to actually enjoy it Mm. maybe it's not the best time but We can probably move into the dieting aspect. What do you think? Yeah, well, one more, sorry. Underlying health issues. Just get Mm. checked out, you know. Um, Again, you mentioned earlier that a diet is another stress on the body. And if you have any underlying health issues, um, definitely get it checked out. Get clearance from a medical professional before adding more stress. Um, But most underlying health conditions are actually fixed by looking after your nutrition and training. But just to cover all bases, depending on what it is, uh, get checked out first. 
first. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. And work with someone to help you through that, you know, mm. any underlying like menstrual health stuff, thyroid issues, like anything yeah, that's going that on, you mm. probably want, um, yeah, like you want someone to be able to go through bloods with you and make sure that you're in top notch health um, if you've got any concerns. Right, mm. I, I don't. I think stre- like dieting needs to be taken seriously. It's enforced I starvation. I don't mm. know why people think it's just I'll just go on a diet on Monday. It's like no, you're starving your body, right? And it's going to have physical and mental repercussions if you sort of just don't know what you're doing. And that's why exactly that's why there's so many failed diets is because people don't take it seriously. They're just happy to start cutting on Monday. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so true. Like it is. It's like I'm just gonna. I'm just doing a quick yeah. cut. I'm like, oh my oh. god. It doesn't work like that, guys. So yeah. a diet. So we mentioned last week uh, with mini cuts being 40 to 50% of a deficit, you know, we like to start around 20 to 30%. So it's still enough to get a change, um, but it's nothing crazy that will send our hormones and mindset into overdrive and, you know, like fearful um, from a survival level that there won't be enough food. 20 to 30 is quite nice. And it's very important. And we spoke about this when we we're writing up the, the episode. Don't start too conservatively yeah. because that can be disheartening as well. You want to actually feel, if you commit to it, you want to feel that hunger at the start. You want to feel or see um, your body changing or your weight changing at the start because it is, you know, you, you're right off that motivation. So mm. 20 to 30% of a deficit is a good starting point. Yeah, 20% would be like the most conservative I would go. I wouldn't mm-hmm. go anything less than that. Otherwise, like you said, you want to get some mo- momentum at the start mm. to sort of provoke that motivation to continue as well. Technically, like when you first start a dieting phase, it's when things should move the quickest. Like you're going to yeah. lose a lot of fluid retention and body fat in general um, at the start of a deficit and things generally slow down um, as your body adapts or you become a smaller human, etc. So <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with like starting a bit higher, like the 30%-ish mark and then scaling down a little bit if you choose to do so. Like if you're finding that compliance is slipping or there's any other issues, then you can go to a more of a moderate um, deficit to be able to sustain it but I think mm. it's really important something I wanted to highlight right it's a 30% calorie deficit right so sometimes what can happen you know how we've got metabolic adaptation or your mm. body adapts often sometimes you can push calories high and let's say you're like a female and you're eating 2600 calories and you're maintaining weight um, at a certain point and you go oh this must be maintenance Sometimes what can happen is the higher that your calories are pushed, the more or your body sort of learns to maintain off that amount of energy by increasing meat and other um, bodily processes to consume that amount of calories. Mm. So then if you go, oh, I'm just going to slash off a couple of hundred or 30% or whatever that might be, and then all of a sudden after a couple of weeks you haven't lost any weight and you're like, what's going on? I should be in a deficit. Maybe what that was, your starting calories, was something called an inflated maintenance. So it's it's not your true maintenance. So you could have mm. ate 2,400 calories and probably not lost any weight um, because it's still in that maintenance buffer window. So something awesome. to be mindful of is like a calorie deficit is not just sometimes not just um, reducing three to 500 calories off your top um, maintenance because potentially that was inflated by eating more, particularly food volume, right? The yeah. effect of food can mm. be up to like 20 or 30% of the calories that we eat. So mm. something to consider is like that first initial phase, what that deficit looks like for you. Yeah. 
Awesome point. And something that's really not spoken about a lot, probably yeah. because it's hard to measure neat yeah, and it's, it's hard, hard to measure. To measure. I put my hands in the air when I was talking for this many times. You just can't mm. measure it. So yeah. the best way to account for all of that, which you just spoke about, is to give the first phase time. Mm. Okay. Do it for a couple of weeks. Don't go, oh, it's been a week. Nothing's changed. Yeah. I need to make a change here and, and chopping and changing. And that's just a mess. So mm. we need the least amount of variables. Okay. So be a scientist, as you mentioned earlier, try and take your emotion out of it. Look at it as data. Okay. What is happening? And then if nothing changes after two or three weeks, cool. Mm. Then we make a small change because yeah. not only will it ruin all your results, if you just throw too many things into the mix, you mm. lose the ability to track the data and what's going on. Um, and then it's very overwhelming. There's mm. nothing worse than, you know, starting something new and then you've got 500 different things that you have to do. It's not realistic when making a lifestyle change. So yeah. the less variables, give it a chance to work and then add one or two things as you go. Yeah, for sure. Time and consistency with as many variables as you can. Something I often see, um, for example, is at maintenance, you can do whatever you want with steps, in my opinion. Like you shouldn't really actively be trying to like push yourself to hit higher targets at a maintenance. It should be like maintaining on your lifestyle, you know? Yeah. But when you're in a deficit, you might want to try and maintain a step count, for example, because you can't really have like 20,000 steps one day and 6,000 another and 4,000. Mm. Like I've gone through a prep like that. It's really difficult. And that yeah. was just lifestyle I couldn't. So I went with a weekly average target of what I would try and hit. But data was inconsistent because weight would fluctuate too much and it was just hard to get factual data that didn't have other variables skewing it and this is from me when I was very spot on with tracking and everything that I could but there was like sleep there was shift work Mm. there was steps there was things that skewed a lot of the data and made calorie dropping um like and I'm not sure if this is the right move but we got to go with it because of time budgets and in hindsight like I can look back now and go okay because you you learn your body right like I can look back and go okay probably was retaining fluid and I probably should have like I knew this at the time but when you're getting coaching you just listen to your coach right you had coaching and you were working as a midwife you had babies to help be born man (laughs) yeah like Like, that's a priority (laughs) yeah yeah but when I would say like oh you know weight hadn't dropped this week but this variable this variable this variable Mm. like inflammation here not doing you there but when you've gone a time crunch like if you're like eight weeks out you sort of just got to be like, okay, if things aren't moving, you got to push and hard. You've got right? to push hard. And mm. I remember calories had to get low, and I don't think they did had have like I in hindsight, I would have been like, if I had more time, I probably wouldn't have had to push as hard as mm-hmm. hard mm-hmm. if I had more consistent data. So yep. when you've got time up your sleeve, this is why I say six months minimum for a comp prep. Oh um, yeah. When you've got more time up your sleeve, one, it's less stressful. Because you can say, okay, we'll just sit another week and see what happens. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you do for your period. Maybe mm-hmm. you've just, your sleep's been off, et cetera. Maybe food, digestion, whatever. You've got time to actually see whether those variables are inhibiting the fat loss yeah. or whether you need to push harder. So when mm. you're saying time, I was sort of thinking, yeah, like two to three weeks, you don't want to be making calorie drops any more frequently than that. Like no. that's, that's, yeah, like definitely not more than three weeks unless mm. you're on a real strict time budget. Like yeah. and, and you've got to have like that mini cut mentality towards the end of something because you're not achieving the result. But then again, it's it's not supposed to be sustainable in the in the final ends of that. 
No way. Particularly when you're getting so lean, you can see when you're holding water. If oh, we all yeah. have a little bit of extra body fat and you hold a bit of water, you don't, you can't tell. But when you're about to get on stage and you're lean as all hell, you can tell when you haven't had a good night's sleep because you're puffy the next morning. That's when you get fixated on the small details. And again, we're both talking from experience. You've had that kind of prep and so have I. When I um, messaged Hattie 13 weeks out from the last show I did because yeah. I just wanted a life overhaul after, you know, we spoke about it i'm like yeah i want to get on stage in 13 weeks she's like well okay we're gonna have to push very hard and if i was a new client or someone new no way in hell would that be appropriate but this was like my fifth show i knew what to do i knew it was going to be really crazy and it was and Mm. you know i got an awesome result but i probably wouldn't do it like that ever again because i had to drop everything again i stopped kind of working as hard i didn't socialize it was just me in the gym and then me in bed sleeping at 8 p.m because yeah it's just it's not good (laughs) you know but i'm very grateful for all the hard lessons that i've had to learn learn from dieting because it's a skill like you said when mm-hmm. you first start a diet you go through a lot of teething pains you figure out how to adjust your lifestyle you you really build a lot of discipline and willpower with certain aspects it leads over into other areas but there of course are negative um side effects of dieting and yeah. life has to sort of go life changes right like it depends on the extreme that you're going to Mm. um and Mm. obviously if you're quite overweight or if you've got a lot of body fat to lose you probably won't feel any of the negative side effects for a while Nah, you'll have a great time change a a couple of small things less less sugars in your coffee and your body drop the weight (laughs) no sneaky tim tams and you'll be good (laughs) (laughs) but when it comes to like if you're a lean female um and we're looking at losing at like 0.8 to 1 percent per week it's very small changes on the Mm. scale to be honest and when you're equating for fluid retention and other things there's going to be weeks that you don't even see a difference and you've got to learn to be able to push through so that's Mm. more so the context of where we're coming from like don't get me wrong like if when we go through preps we drop a lot of weight but it's so slow that you Mm. almost don't see it don't you reckon danny it depends on what phase. I'm like what we spoke about. At the start, I drop it heaps because my whole yep. lifestyle changes. Yep. Um, and then, you know, you might not go out to dinner as much. So then that's less mm. olive oil that they're cooking in. So yep. I find that I respond really well to that. Mm. Um, but then towards the end, they're tiny changes. Yeah, they're tiny changes. And yeah. you get like you get like body dysmorphia. Like I remember being like my leanest and being like not seeing it. And then you look back at photos now and you're like, oh, my God, how did I not see Seriously. veins going to my back? button yeah i love when that comes out but i wouldn't do it ever again because i wouldn't do it ever again it's not worth it guys unless you're doing a comp prep to have oh like no six pack oh, no. and all that it's not fucking worth it like oh. i love going out for my dinners now anyway yeah. but we're here to talk about dieting and to talk oh, how to diet but you can like we would consider ourselves dieting now in a sense, like I'm probably in maintenance, but I'm loving life. Mm. You know, still, we're still watching what we're eating, but we're having fun. We're going out to dinner. It's not the end of the world. If we have an extra chocolate or whatever, like there's a happy medium to dieting. Dieting, it doesn't mean you just have to get rock hard abs and shredded and, you know, spend all your time on cardio equipment and lifting in the gym. Like you can be in a deficit, but still have an amazing lifestyle. That's yeah, what for we sure. want to reiterate. Yeah. Your diet literally is the food you eat. And I think this might be like the, the old nurse coming out in me when would say, oh yeah, like low FODMAP diet. Like it's not, it doesn't have to be a deficit. Like mm-hmm. that's why I'm saying there's a diet, like we're dieting. We're always eating, right? We're tracking, mm-hmm. we're logging, we're doing those things to maintain, right? But 
then there's a fat loss phase. And that's Mm. what we're sort of referring to, like to go through a fat loss phase, it does require different changes to lifestyle, different changes to food sources, different changes to habits, um, different changes to like calories um, out or expenditure. All those things have to go through a massive transformation, as you were saying. And that's why it should be strategically done and not just sort of like, oh, just stop eating as much and try and shift this around. You can at the start, right? But I, I like to have, like, if you're going to go through a fat loss phase, let's, let's make it successful. Let's make mm. sure it's measurable. Let's actually mm. get a result so we can get in and get out. So you yep. can get back to maintenance and get back to life and be able to actually enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. But if you can nail your environment and lifestyle in a diet, then mm. that's the hardest part done. It's easier in a sense to, to change the amount of food. If you if your goal is that strong, you will not eat over your calories okay Mm. but the the environment makes it hard that's what makes it hard so if you can nail that like we even said that's why before the diet nail your mindset your why your environment Mm. once you nail that the dieting is actually easy because everyone goes into a diet and you know that you're going to feel hungry. It's not yeah. a surprise. You expect it. People are like, that how that's do I fix happens. hunger? I'm like, what are you talking about? That's what a diet is. You're hungry. <laughs> yeah. There are ways that you cannot be as hungry. You yeah. know, and we've spoken about it many times, volume food, mm. sleep more, you know, stress levels, whatever, but you're going to be hungry. That's what a diet is. Yeah. There's also a big difference between diet and craving. I'm um, sorry, hunger and cravings. Mm. And this is something that when you go through, like it's particularly something extreme, but then also just a very conservative diet, you're going to experience hunger, um, physiological hunger at certain times because that's the response that happens to eating less calories than what your body requires. Mm. Once you get to that leaner edge or what your body perceives as very lean for you, and this is going to look different, um, you know, we have hormones like um, leptin and ghrelin, for example, that influence cravings and hunger in general. And Mm. this is genetic draw of the luck too as well some people just experience more cravings and hunger than others Mm. um and that's just the way it is like you said there's ways with food volume etc that you can manipulate physiological hunger but if you feel like you always need something sweet after dinner to sign the deal or if like you need you know you want that piece of chocolate or like you just need your cereal or whatever it is it's usually a craving, right? And it's not and physiologically. And a habit, right? And a habit, mm. right? Um, and it's really important to be able to sense that. Like in a yeah. prep, for example, like I eat so much cucumber. I am not craving oh cucumber. Right? And we get the cucumber out <laughs> steamed We did. Up, and it came a thing on Instagram. Everyone oh just was God. eating the whole cucumbers in 2019, 2020. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's hunger we're trying to blunt. Do you think I That's eat a fucked. cucumber now? <laughs> <laughs> I can oh, promise you, though, I so will true. again, right? Yeah. So, oh, they're coming back. Like, I think it's important to be like, yeah, I'm hungry. I will eat anything, mm-hmm. right? That's what hunger is. I will eat a cucumber yeah. versus <laughs> yeah. I'll only eat that. And that's a craving. Yeah. Most of the time we give in to the craving. So there's also that, I guess, like being mindful, being really self-aware, being yeah. present, not responding just to instant cravings um, and being prepared for that. And for me, mm. the way I know that I'm going to be able to set myself up for success is removing the stress of dieting for the majority of the year. Like yeah. I'm not in that restricted mindset so that no. when I go back into it, I'm ready to go. Like I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm ready to make some changes. I can implement this um i've i've had my fun i enjoyed it and then also like when you do that you're going to go through a couple of weeks of teething pains where those Mm. cravings are going to be like knocking on the door being like 
why aren't you having the chocolate tonight? Yeah, yep. You know, and you've got to be able to be like, oh, I'm really feeling that craving. I've got mm. to break it. And I just call that teething pains. Like just allow yep. the teething pains to happen. Feel it, experience it, know that it's going to come in waves and that you're going mm. to get better at being able to push them to the side. Yeah, because look, you can have small bits of chocolate or whatever during a comp prep to fit your macros and all of that. But for me personally, I find it better just to not have it because when I have it, I always want it. And then then it becomes that habit. And then, you know, so for us as well, we just Mm. find it easier to get rid of it, not out of punishment, but we'd rather actually eat a filling cucumber or something that'll actually make us feel full. There are so many little different tips and tricks that I feel like it's a whole nother episode. And I'm pretty sure we've done one on that anyway diet but, um, we might have to, yeah diet hacks we'll probably have to revisit it um later on but you know you will be hungry um yeah. doesn't mean you're hungry 24 7 but again go through the teething pains and then fine-tune your habits and your routine um mm-hmm. so you're in a position where you're not famished all the time because yeah if it was that much of a punishment, you know, we wouldn't be bloody doing it. Hey, nah. like it's not worth it. Like it, nah. it is actually fun and you feel good and you feel like you've stuck to something and you're working towards mm. a goal. And, you know, there are so many rewards um, that come with it as well. So we wouldn't be here talking about it, promoting it if we didn't think it was good for your health and well-being. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a really good point. And I think, yeah, when it comes to the, the I'm the exact same, by the way, Danny, like I'm very much a cold turkey, mm. um, like just take it out. Like for, if you were a smoker, right, do you just, I, I don't know, cutting back wouldn't work it for me, right? Yeah. Like you need to just throw it all out because mm. I prefer to kill cravings. Um, I honestly find that if I feed into them, I feed them and they stay there. The yeah. same with sweeteners and stuff. You know how I, I sort of always speak, I just remove the artificial sweeteners. I try to not rely on like. Mm. So have I sweeteners. now, Sherelle, finally, yeah. two years yeah. later. <laughs> And my gut feels amazing. Yes. Yeah. What do oh you my notice? God. Just it feels normal and it doesn't rumble and you don't yep. feel bloated. Yep. And like it was that time <laughs> I shared it with the deadlifts where I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. I let one go during a deadlift. And I'm like, this is fucking embarrassing. I'm Never getting, again. I Those slashes are dangerous, man. You had the slash and it went through. I farted in a deadlift. <laughs> and <it's, laughs> because I would put that sugar-free, stupid maple syrup on my free training. Oh, that's meal. dangerous, that stuff. Yeah. It's just not freaking worth it guys no don't do it look <laughs> it, the devil's in the dose um probably yeah. not pre-training for a deadlift day but Never. you know what happens is when we're in a state of restriction our body's craving glucose it's craving mm. sugars it's craving high fat foods it's craving all of those things artificial sweeteners are like a thousand times sweeter than natural sugar mm. so when we have them we get like this heightened like kick this heightened like um like adrenaline kick in our body that goes oh this is delicious it's so sweet and then it craves it more like when yeah. I get to the back end of a um like a comp prep I always like fruit is like sickly sweet for me because you've removed it and I feel like your taste buds get used to um like highly palatable palatable I can never say that word palatable what's the word <laughs> palatable it. It got it. Yeah. palatable foods <laughs> you know I, I can I'm concerned for people that eat out like all the time you know and they're yeah. like oh and they just get they think home cooking is boring yeah no like if you always cover everything in sauce cover Mm. everything in salt cover everything in all these sorts of things you're going to naturally think anything less is worse and i do this actually in prep like towards the back end 
I, I, I cut back all the sauces. Yeah. Probably helps with the calories too, but yeah. I cut back all the things that make my food more enjoyable. And this sounds probably depressing, but I don't cover my food in chicken salt. You know, I don't cover my food in barbecue sauce. I don't use artificial Do you use salt and pepper? I use a little bit of salt and pepper. And lemon sometimes, depending on what yeah, you're Yeah, like eating. that's fine. All those yeah. natural things. But I'm saying mm. the artificial enhances oh, um, no way. food. I cut back on them because I want food to... Um, fill a hunger void Mm. not a craving void yeah so it's more of like a adherence um hack that I use in dieting oh and that is so true like literally this morning as I was pouring tomato sauce all over my eggs I'm like well I just love tomato sauce I literally said tomato sauce is one of the top inventions in the world oh (laughs) that's a big call Aussies we love tomato sauce but tomato sauce goes because two tablespoons of it it's got your carbs in it I'd rather eat something solid Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like so that's a perfect example yeah Things like that have to go. Yeah. I also find with things that are low calorie or high in protein or artificial sweeteners, we give ourselves like more of a permission slip to have more of it versus if you actually just had like a little Freddo frog, you'd have one and be like, that's enough. And that's what I try to do. Like when I cut out artificial sweeteners for like two years, I was like, if I want a soft fizzy drink, I'm going to have the real deal. And because I I knew that I was going to have the high sugar option, I just didn't do it. You know, because I was like, oh, well, I just won't. Like, I'll just have like, you know, some lemon in the soda water or whatever it might be. So it's also about you're not trying to just get through the fat loss phase without suffering at all. And I'm not saying Mm. suffering, but there's got to be some grit, some lifestyle changes. You can't just fill it with the artificial version. No. Expect habits to change alongside. It's so bad for your health. And I know a lot of people are going to be fans of artificial sweeteners. As you said, the devil's in the dose, but like, it's not worth it for your gut health, for your hunger levels. It doesn't actually help. Like yeah. eat the real thing or realize that you'll have to eat the real thing, then don't. I remember mm. I thought I had a Diet Coke. I think it was a couple of months ago. Oh, I did that I've, with stuff, yeah. Fuck, I've not had um, real soft drink in years, ages. And then I took a mouthful of what I thought was a Diet Coke and it's like my mouth exploded. It was so sweet. I'm like, this yeah. is gross. But the yeah. old me loved all that stuff. Your body actually just adapts to appreciate mm. like natural food and, and all of that. Like, yeah, that was the biggest surprise ever. And I yeah. could distinguish it in the first second that it was in my mouth. I'm mm. like, oh, yuck. Yeah. It's like when I went out the other week, I had like a cocktail and I was like, oh my God, like I just felt like oh it wasn't Lord. even the alcohol. It was like so much sugar syrup yes. in this. I don't know what to do. Like my body's not used to it. But when you, you get a high, do it, don't you? You oh, go, it's like, yeah. It's like, no wonder kids are like running around <laughs> freaking everything, like red frogs and coital. Yeah. do it to us. Seriously. But yeah, that's um, anything else to add on to the diet? Oh. So, <laughs> Good segue. Something I did want to actually touch on was, um, um, actually setting up like your diet split. So we talk oh, yeah. about training splits and like training frequency all the time. It's like how many days a week you're doing, etc. There's two approaches that you can go about a diet. You can either have the same calories every day, um, which is something that I personally prefer. It's good or, at the start as well when learning, right? Yeah, yeah, consistency. Or you can um, have like refeed days, carb cycling, calorie cycling, etc. Something mm. I wanted to highlight that um, is very evident now is that there is no difference on fat loss 
um, depending on what form you use. So whether someone ca um, calorie cycles, um, has high days and their leg days or whatever, et cetera, um, or they stick to the same ones across the week, there is no net difference in fat loss across the week. The one reason that you would use refeeds and diet breaks and, and cycling, et cetera, I would say towards the back end of a comp prep, it might be better for recovery um, mm -hmm. around your intense training days, mm -hmm. potentially. The other thing is compliance is the biggest yeah. thing. Like some people just, they're miserable if they know that they've got to eat 15, 1600 calories every day of the week. Right. Um, mm -hmm. versus having like maybe 1500 calories and two refeed days because yeah. consistency is at the top of the pyramid, right? It's the one thing that you need in a dieting phase to make mm -hmm. sure that you're going to have success. Whatever that looks like for you, there's no shame in needing refeeds and diet breaks to make sure that you can have that. It's mm -hmm. integral to be able to have that conversation with yourself and a coach because mm -hmm. on the opposite side of the screen, sometimes you're like, something's not adding up. Like, yeah, you know, so I can't make decisions if these aren't the numbers that we're actually eating. Maybe you're tracking it, but is something else going on? Do we yeah. need to have a chat? Do we need to add in some refeed days? You need a diet break, right? Like, it's really important to be able to have that conversation and have a dieting split that aligns with your lifestyle and your ability to sustain the deficit. Mm, mm. My favorite diet break was when I was um, competing for the October show, um, my birthday in August. I'm like, okay, I want to do this show in 13 weeks. I decided in like July, but my birthday's coming up. And then we're just like, yep, diet break, whatever. I drank, ate, and it didn't affect anything because my adherence after that was laser focus. I'm like, yeah. yes, let's do it. And it's mm -hmm. very good for adherence knowing that, okay, so you've got your weekly calories is what you said. You can either split them out the same every day or you can take a little bit less five days a week and then put those extra calories on two days a week. That's what a lot of people do. It works out to be the same weekly calories, but for a lot mm. of people, they will go harder at the dieting knowing that they've got one or two days where they can yeah. just eat a bit more. Yeah. Um, I've responded really well to that. Like yeah. on the weekend um, where I had less work, so less distractions because I don't eat mm. as much. We, you don't eat as much when you're distracted. So Monday to Friday was easy. Um, and then on a leg day on the weekend, I would have more calories because in my head, I would push harder with more food. Um, therefore, indirectly, you lose more weight. Um, yep. But then also something to look forward to. And if you did happen to go out to dinner and want to track your meal, there's more room for error as well because you've mm. allowed in your budget, more calories. Yeah, really good point. And something similar that I do, um, firstly, when you had like a shorter prep, 100%, like you knowing that you've only got this time limit and this one diet break, you're going to be, compliance is going to be there because you like, can't yeah. afford not to. Like yeah. I've got to make this work. Mm. Something that I do is like during a, um, like I much prefer a more flexible approach to refeeds like during a during a dieting phase because I just think the point is not only physically to have a break but mentally yeah. so even for, even during a comp prep for me because if you're tracking the data it doesn't matter like if you know you need to tighten mm. things up you're going to do it but yeah, even yeah. in a comp prep for me um like Luke and I will have one meal out a week usually on the weekend and okay. you know, I'll just guesstimate it like until mm. about eight weeks out you know, then I'll, then I'll stop doing that. Um, but it gives you that mental break. It also allows you to give back to relationships that get sort of like put yeah. towards the wayside. And then nine times out of 10, I'd actually weigh in lighter on Sunday. So there you go. if the data's favorable to you and don't get me wrong, I'm still tracking everything else in terms of body weight, body composition, still checking in, etc. And you're having one meal out 
a week and not blowing the bank, right? There's a difference between going like hell loose and cheat meal versus going to grilled and just having like your chicken and sweet potato fries or whatever it might Grilled's be. Grilled's great because it's all on my fitness pal. Exactly. Like an estimating yeah. your tracking, right? Yeah. I think that is so fine. I think yeah. that's so fine. And don't get me wrong. Like, let's be honest. If you started to plateau, things weren't moving. Or if you were like, yes, yeah, sort of eight to 10 weeks out and you're like, okay, this is when things get tough. This is now yeah. unsustainable territory mm. um, and you're grinding it a bit more, for sure it goes away. But just a yeah. general fat loss phase, like things are moving well, making good progress. I think you can be flexible with that refeed. It definitely helps me with compliancy as well, long-term. Yeah. And then I just keep calories the rest, um, like the same for the rest of the week. Yeah, and find a place, like you said, like grilled burgers or even at a cafe where you can, mm, you can see the bread, Marcelleria. How, do they have that in Melbourne now? Yeah, yep. They've got uh, a couple. So uh, good. Because I first went there in Bondi again with all the um, people. We are all competing because mm. you can just track everything. Or you can't go wrong even at a um, just a cafe, get your oh, eggs. Hunky you know what's in, hunky, oh, no. Let's yeah, get sponsorships so from all these places. <laughs> yeah, there's so, so many there's so many good places. And like, mm. if you ever go to America, they have calories on like everything. I actually think it's Do mandatory. They? Yeah. Um, mm. Like everything has like calories. I don't know if it's like more mandatory over there. It's definitely not here. A lot of the franchises will have it um, here on, on menus, etc. Like, mm. or you can find it on my fitness now. Um, but yeah, like over in the States and stuff like that, I just remember like everywhere had the calories of it. Like Macro like, breakdown or just Sometimes calories? they're a yeah. lot more advanced than what we are, to be honest, in Australia. Mm. But yeah, like if you go out for breakfast, like that was, that's an easy one. I don't really classify that as like a meal off plan, to be honest. Like if you're yeah, tracking okay. two pieces of bread and a same. couple of eggs, <laughs> right? Like there's no room for olive oil in the Just eggs. be mindful because sometimes the spinach comes down and it's covered in oil. Yeah, I tell the them greens. no. Just don't yeah. ever go to a Greek restaurant and ask for greens. We put oil on everything. It's literally a, a bowl of soup broccoli. Of oil with broccoli in it. Yeah. yeah. I asked them, like, if you can, I like, I used to find like a local around the corner and they'd know, I'd be like, oh, can you know, just talk to the yeah. thing and be like, can I just have like just poach, no extra butter? Like, I'm yeah. sort of dieting at the moment. I hate having to say it, but, but it's oh. like, you know, you just got to be transparent and people are yeah. receptive. And then when you find those places, it's almost like a brick off your chest that you're like, oh, okay, cool. I can go here with friends. I can sort of still live my life. I can achieve my goals. And that's what you really want to be able to find. Yeah. Or take up drinking coffee. <laughs> you yeah. know, it just suppresses the appetite. Yes, exactly. That's you always go out for coffee. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. exactly. Oh, and look, if your goals aren't as um, far-fetched as a comp prep or you're just doing it like a more conservative approach or again, time is not an issue, like yeah. you can always add a week to a dieting phase. And I say that people are True. oh, I'm going with my family for a week. You know, how do I track? I'm like, just have fun. Like, yeah, enjoy the know? time with your family. Yeah, like we can have a week on. It's okay. Yeah. Like have a diet break, you know. I think there's so much pressure these days and it really doesn't have to be that way. No, no. And it's important to not have that pressure because a lot of people just, okay, they can the whole process. Oh, I had that week away now. It's all done. It's ruined everything. Well, no, actually keep going. Like For it's sure. fine. Live For your sure. life. Yeah, really important, like especially over holidays and stuff like that. You might gain some fluid, you might gain some body weight, but it's just going to be fluid retention more than anything. Um, yeah, and you had a sick time. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll move on to after the diet then because we've sort of spoken a lot about dieting in general and just some informal tips that we sort of utilise along the way. And we've mm-hmm. also done multiple episodes on dieting yeah. um, and sort of some of the dieting hacks that we use personally. But this is the phase that 
do not stop listening because this is the phase that everyone screws up on 95% of people. And there's actually data to support this of like how many people put the weight on. I think it was the biggest loser study. Oh, I know those shows, man. They put it on but more and that's like freaking a lot of weight. Yep, yep, especially going from that sort of like level of of being overweight as well. So the diet after the diet is Mm. really important and you know, there's two sort of approaches and I'm sort of on the fence with the the, the ways in which I, I approach this. But you've got reverse dieting, which is slow, methodical, add, adding like 50 to 100 calories every week to reverse someone up to what their new maintenance calories is with the goal of gaining the least amount of body fat as possible. And yeah. then you've got um, the recovery diet, which is um, pretty much you go straight up to maintenance um, with the recovery approach. So at the end of a diet and the difference is how you end the diet. Like where Mm -hmm. are you at? You know, uh, did you get on stage? Did you lose a significant amount of body weight, i.e. about 10% of your body weight? Did you lose about that much? Mm. Or did you just drop a couple of kilos? You know, like how are you finishing the diet physically and mentally? Um, That's going to sway which approach I use or, you know, which approach we're going to be able to use. Reverse diet, in my opinion, a really slow, drawn out reverse for me is not necessary. Like, I don't believe we need to be adding 50 to 100 calories every week if you've actually gone hard in a deficit, right? Okay, for like a comp prep. Or a fat loss. Or anyone. Mm, Like, if mm. you've gone hard in a deficit and you've stayed in a 30% calorie deficit um, the whole time and you've lost a significant amount of weight, do you really want to, and again, there's no right or wrong, but do you really want to waste the next 12 weeks building up to maintenance calories? To See, be the language to- is deterring people though, waste. Waste 12 weeks. Not really, I suppose, because there are benefits. Are we saying the benefits or are we saying what you do and don't like? Well, I'm saying- I don't like, want to scare people with our language because I think both work for a certain Oh, person. yeah, for sure. But mm. I'm saying if your long-term goal, right, is then once you've lost the body fat, what's your next goal? You know, yeah. is it to, to get into a muscle building phase? If it is, then you want to sort of get back to maintenance as quick as possible. And yeah, maintenance, okay. when you're at maintenance calories, you shouldn't gain weight. This is the, the point that people get confused at. Like when you're at maintenance, you should not gain weight. When you're in a surplus, you're going to start gaining weight. Yeah. So you can go back to your new perceived maintenance calories that's going to be different from when you started. That This is the kicker, right? A lot of people mm. jump straight back up to the calories that they started at. No, that's your old maintenance when you yeah. were potentially five kilos heavier yeah. and you weren't downregulated. So I believe, and this is just what I've seen, I believe more of a recovery-styled approach in chunks, like bigger, more junk, um, junk chunks to their new perceived maintenance calories, which is going to be lower, mm. is, a, is a quicker transition to be able to work towards the overall goals. But there's going to be yeah. so many it depends when it comes yeah. to this approach. And I've done both. So um, I've done the slow reverse diet after a show where you just pull back a tiny bit on cardio and you increase a small amount of food. But the difference is you're still tracking religiously. You're still still obsessed with your goal, you know, but you stay lean, okay? And then I've done the other one where after I, you know, won the show, went out for drinks, everyone wanted to take me out to dinner, yeah, it's like the complete opposite. 
both were awesome. One, I still stayed in that athlete's mindset and, mm. you know, stayed lean, still did photo shoots, this, that, whatever. The other one, I had a bloody good time, didn't put on a lot of body fat, but I didn't stay as lean as what I would have. So mm. there's, there's two ways in which you can exit as what you've said. Um, reverse diet. It depends what for, if for like a job or for another goal, you've got something in a short um, proximity where you have to stay quite lean or you want to stay quite lean, um, reverse diet out slowly. But mm-hmm. then if you don't really bring yourself up to maintenance, you're not going to put on a whole bunch of body fat. Um, mm-hmm. Only if you know that you can still stick to it, because obviously the more calories you have to play with, you might start putting in some more of those foods, chocolates, yeah. all those things. And then that can, you can just drop everything all together and you cascade. So yeah. it's for the right person. Sometimes you do need a conservative increase. So you don't just drop all your habits and go nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be the other way. You could drop all your habits and go nuts because you're so restricted still. So it really depends on the person. Yeah. You've got to ask yourself, what do I want to be doing and where do I want to be and what do I want to be working towards in six Mm. months' time? Mm. Because if a slow reverse diet is just going to delay how long it takes to you for you to get to that next stage, that's when I would question it. Because I think you can spend, for example, when people reverse out and they're losing weight, they're like, oh, like they're actually still in a deficit. Yeah. Like you're still in the dieting phase. And that's super compensation from that yeah. hectic diet there. Yeah. Like you can get away with more because your need mm. levels increase. Yeah. And I spoke about last week, like post-comp, uh, like you're anabolic, like your body just sucks up everything. You're already in a very compromised state, um, mm. but not even post just comp prep, right? Like anyone that goes through like a pretty hard dieting phase, which a lot of people still do, like when they mm. drop a lot of weight, you don't want to like, you don't want to continue to keep yourself in a low calorie compromised state when you're trying to get back into your regular training and push and build muscle, right? That's what I mean by wasting time, like Mm -hmm. working towards using the wrong strategies to work towards your next goal. Like if you're finished a dieting phase, my goal would be to get back up to maintenance calories as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. So that's why like usually the first increase will be a couple of hundred calories minimum. And then I would aim to get someone up to their new maintenance um, in that four to six week bracket, six weeks at an absolute minimum, um, sorry, maximum and more like that four weeks and a couple of big jumps. So yeah, it's Mm going to depend on person to person and the goal as well, like when you reverse, you're always going to put on a little bit of weight. And I think people mm. fear that, like, but a lot of the time it's going to be fluid. Yes, there's going to be some body fat, but it's going to, there's going to be fluid there. There's going to be food volume there as well. And there's yep. also going to be muscle if you start doing it properly yeah. and actually training properly. Like don't underestimate um, how much muscle mass you can put on when you train properly. There was actually yeah. a study that I was reading in the mass paper the other day that sort of um, concluded that men and women put on muscle mass and strength at the same rate relative to body size as well. So traditionally they thought, oh, more testosterone means mm. more muscle mass. Not necessarily. They've actually shown that women can too. So don't sell yourself short. And that's why I mean like a lot of guys just get straight back to maintenance and go, yeah, I'm like bulking. And whilst we don't want to do that, <laughs> we, we want to make sure we have the mentality of like, let's close the fat loss chapter and not live in it right? Let's not yeah. try and stay lean forever. Let's get to the next goal. Let's not be so body focused. Let's move on to the next thing. So mm. that when you want to go back into a deficit, you can. And I'm not saying yeah. blow out. I'm still saying like a recovery diet. You still need to track. You still need to hit. Yeah. It's, Don't it's, drop all your habits, right? Nah. A lot of people drop all their habits. They stop walking. They sleep in more. They, they, they stay up they late. They stop anything. coaching at such a vital time. Don't stop coaching straight yeah. after. Like, no way. Um, and then they eat 
lots of foods that they haven't eaten for the whole dieting time, which mm. look, it's fine, but don't go nuts. Your stomach will not like you. Your digestion. We don't it. want to spend our life on the toilet. You know what Mem- I mean? Do you remember us yeah. talking about it ages ago about how we wanted to really stop reinforcing this like binging mentality backstage? Oh my God. I still, yeah. Yeah. That was a big one for us. Like we sort of said, at that last show that, that we makes did, we're, like, so angry. we're not contributing to it. Like there's donuts and there's shit everywhere. And it reinforces that we've like really starved ourselves and restricted ourselves beyond all belief that we have to gorge in that. And we, yeah, I remember we had, yeah, we had a really heavy conversation about it on here and being like, we're not like, even if we want it again, we need to practice um, controlling those impulses to yeah. cravings, right? Yeah, we're hungry, but we're, we're athletes and we're professionals. And, you know, we don't want to demonstrate, reinforce this sort of binge starvation cycle as well. So it's like um, having an Alcoholics Anonymous and you, you drive for so long yeah. and then the reward <laughs> is alcohol. Exactly. So true, <laughs> right? But not only Maybe that. we need to have some conversations. Not people. only that, right? It's full of all the shit that you've cut out. I've right? not had pizza in fucking like, oh, I'm yeah. sorry a lot on this podcast i've not had pizza in like so long and not then, there's anything again, wrong but not there's anything wrong but again like oh. if you, like you said if someone's an alcoholic and they go to an aa meeting and there's alcohol there how hard is it to say no yeah exactly and it's kind of a bit disrespectful in a sense sorry to any of the companies that are sponsoring these shows but <laughs> start providing stuff that we actually want to eat because the last thing i want to do after all that hard work is eat shit yeah like, like what a nice but the reason why we though. yeah the reason why we eat it is because we have not eaten that I whole know. day anyway so you could have coriander on the table and everyone knows how much i hate coriander i would eat it because i'm hungry because i've just yeah. competed you know yeah. what i mean so anything that's on that table is going to get yeah. eaten and we've all done it you feel like absolute crap afterwards like i always <laughs> um have a meal for after the show that i've already got prepared yes um, because you can never get food but then again like you're you really want that because it's a craving you know so Mm. and it's there but when you haven't eaten a lot of those foods and that's more the point for me is like you don't want to wake up feeling distended and gross because you can't digest all the dairy and the gluten Mm. and the chocolate and the sugar and the lollies and it's not worth it all that stuff as well so you've just got to be mindful of what different micronutrients and food sources that you throw back in because that's what can also lead to like a lot of post-comp or post-dieting weight gain, yeah. um, inflammation, fluid retention from, mm. you know, the whole Ben and Jerry's ice cream. You haven't eaten dairy <laughs> in 16 weeks. Oof. It's not that dairy's bad or wrong, but I'm saying when you take anything out, there's always going to be some sort of like inflammation response when you reintroduce it. Yeah. Good call having a meal prepared. And then you can have one slice of the pizza mm. that they provide or one of whatever. Um, I think that's important. But then also to not have that goal or the wedding or whatever you were shredding for, uh, shredding for the wedding, everyone loves using that. Don't have that as the final step. Okay, I did it at the end. No, mm. set a new goal. Mm. Otherwise, it's a dead end and then you will drop all your habits and you will put on all the weight and you'll go back to probably worse than when you started. Um, Set a new goal. Performance goals are always amazing, which we've spoken about before. Um, Something that's steered away from body composition completely. So Mm. learn how to have a a beautiful maintenance lifestyle, but then also focus on performance or another area in your life 
Mm-hmm. Um, set another goal. Yeah, really important because when you go through a dieting phase, one of the side effects of dieting is becoming really hyper-focused on your body image. And oh, yeah, all the mirror checks, right? Oh, 100%. Makes you sick. So 100%. many. But it's a side effect, right? Because you're mm. constantly assessing and checking in on your body. So the, the opposite has to happen. Like you go through a transition phase and this is why if you're still in a dieting mindset, um, checking in yourself, body checks, fit checks, check-ins, all those sorts of things. If you're still in a dieting mindset, it becomes hard when you naturally start going the other way and you subconsciously deem that as failing. But it's not. Mm. It's just the side effect of eating more calories. It's sort of yes. the thing. It's sort of the point. What you know, people are like, I'm gaining weight. And I'm like, it's sort of the point. That's what we're doing. Yeah. yeah just like like you need, we're losing weight in a deficit or sort of gaining in like a building phase. Like mm. I think it's really important to have that. Like don't fixate. For example, like I store a lot of body fat, like on my, um, like my hips and my thighs, and my lower abdomen, it's just where mm-hmm. I store most of it. Mm-hmm. If I fixated on that area, I wouldn't, I, like I'd lose confidence, but I don't yep. fixate on my quad growth. I fixate on my glutes. I fixate on my strength. Like yeah. I focus on the areas that I'm trying to enhance rather than the ones that, you know, might be quote unquote, like my weaknesses or where I just mm. store certain things. Yeah. Yet we look down and go, oh, where's my abs? I don't have abs unless mm. I'm competing, you know, mm. but yeah, we, we always do like a, a cheeky ab thing to see if they're there when we know. Yeah. <laughs> <They're not>. <laughs> <laughs> they're under there somewhere, but you know what? I know how hard it is to get them and I'm not ready to do that anytime soon, to be honest. And I think it's it's easy for us to talk about this because we've In been through every yeah. single phase yeah. for years and years and years. I think everyone needs to go through it and say, oh, is this it? Like yeah. it's not actually worth it. Mm-hmm. And then you can find your happy medium because yeah. I get more enjoyment at this point in my life right now going out for a beautiful dinner with my loved ones than having six-pack abs, to be honest. And I'm not saying it's one or the other. You can do both, but not Mm. really in a sense. Like, have yeah, I'm lifestyle goals. Set Mm. lifestyle goals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've got to understand what you're getting into. It's a big thing Mm. like with comp prep. Um, I know we're talking about that a lot because it's the the extreme version of Mm -hmm. what we're sort of talking about. But there needs to be a level of informed consent before you embark on something. Something I did not have. Neither of us probably had it. You don't really know. I don't know what I was doing. But not many people do, right? They don't have informed consent. And I don't sugarcoat anything if you guys nah. can't tell. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. <very true. laughs> um, but, yeah, it's important to know, like, with the dieting phase in general, that it's hard work and that it, the point of a deficit is that it's not sustainable long term and we need to be able to get in and get out and shift gears and also be in the right state physically and mentally to embark on something like it. Mm-mm, I love that. So the diet's not sustainable as in being in the deficit, but your habits should be sustainable. Absolutely. That's what the difference is because for us, when we decide to turn it up, it's not a whole lifestyle intervention and we change everything that we do. We just dial in on a few things and then that's mm. it. That's why it's not actually that hard for us to shift. We're still sleeping well. We're still eating nutritious food, mm-hmm. managing our stress where we can. We're still doing all the things, tracking our food, training really hard, but to mm-hmm. what level? And that's the difference. Yeah. So set that baseline for yourself first. Learn some awesome habits before you even think about dieting. Mm, yeah, beautiful. We build identity-based habits, right? We don't 
hit 10,000 steps. We become the person that hits 10,000 steps. Yeah. You don't just go to the gym four days a week or five days a week. You are that person that goes to the gym. And when you build identity-based habits, it's uncomfortable to not do them. Right. Mm. You're like, oh my God, like I haven't been to the gym and you feel it. Like you're like, it feels out of character. That's what you need to do with anything that you want to be able to change. You're not just creating any random like activity. You're creating something that makes you who you are. And that's why when you can say like, I'm an athlete, I'm someone that trains, I go to the gym. I read books like I I check in with people I am that person Mm. it's it's a lot um like easier Uh, there's not as much friction to do the things that you associate yourself with I love that wow we could have had four different podcasts in this discussion but I think we did well hey yeah I definitely do um but yeah we really wanted to do a follow-up on mini cuts because we spoke about not what to do but not really some of the physical and mental things to consider about how to do it well uh so today like we went over the three different phases like the before the dieting phase what that should look like the diet itself and just some general guidelines um and then after the diet and also just keeping in mind there's so many it depends because you can't mm. cut like cookie cut nutrition you know everyone just sells like oh here's a 1800 calorie meal plan uh, 2000 you can't don't. you can't yeah you can't generalize this to the population it needs to be customized based on lifestyle habits mm-hmm. and behaviors and environments more than anything because yeah. that's what sets you up for success or it's what contributes to not reaching your goals in the end nailed it yeah. <laughs> um, we hope you did enjoy this episode. And if you did, as always, please do take a screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories. Thanks, everyone.